The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The reverse. Oh, baby. The Big East. Edwards to his back. The rest of the college hoops world. setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Province Crier Podcast. I am your host, the Province Crier, Mike Surrett. Uh, read us on Twitter, or excuse me, read, read the blog at um, theprovidencecrier.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. That's at Providence Crier. And I'm here joined with uh, BOC. You can follow him on Twitter at, uh, at BOC all day, contributor for the blog. Uh, today is Wednesday, November 11th, 11-11. Might be Bryce Cotton Day, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're here to talk about politics, right? The election and everything, Mike? Okay, all right. You know, I made one joke about Cooley uh, in my, my, my decision not to vote for Cooley. I've, taken, thought, I've, take, I've consumed more uh, political content in the past week than I ever have in my entire life, so a nice conversation around Friars Hoops is uh, welcome. Yeah, but uh, yeah, maybe that's how we'll start every pod, me just saying a terrible joke like Bryce Cotton Day, 11-11. Uh, yeah. But um, Corley, how are we doing? It's, it's been a week since we last met. Obviously, we've got a ton of stuff to cover today, and we'll just hit it off with, with the big news. Last Friday, um, Rafael Castro out of Dover, New Jersey, commits to the Friars. Um, Corley, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great signing. Um, so I think I think you when you look at him, you slot him in as like your typical modern four can space the floor, can can run the floor, and isn't a back to the back to the basket type big. The the intriguing thing is when we first started looking at this twenty twenty one class, I, I originally thought like the necessities were point guard and center, um, point guard to back up Bynum or take the reins whenever he uh, leaves, then a center with uh, replacing Watson and Horschler. Um, and just shows I know absolutely nothing uh, because we've sought, we, or we have committed a three slash four hybrid forward in Legend Eater and then I guess a four or five hybrid in Rafael Castro. And it seems like Castro's growing, so maybe he grows into that five, but I don't think he'll ever be considered a traditional uh big man that you see on like a team like unc for instance so um interesting interesting commitments i'm excited it adds to that versatility that's a hallmark of Cooley's teams um and it's nice to get a tri-state recruit yeah you being a jersey guy obviously you're pretty pumped about that um and you know you've been on the team about you know trying to shift their focus away from the carolinas uh as they 
you know, outside of Greg Gant um, and then Jimmy Nichols in South Carolina, they've kind of struck out with all the guys that they've targeted. Um, you know, me, it's kind of funny. I, when we when we had our pod back in June um, about the recruiting, it was really, you know, legend Legend Geter was on the list, but um, in Castro, but that's about it in terms of the, the targets that they were looking at. So, um, you know, Geter didn't – to be honest, I didn't even know where the Castro commitment was going to go, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. He kept it really close to the vest, one. Uh, and, you know, um, I, I just think he released the top three of Miami, Dayton, and us. And to be honest, I really didn't know where we stood. But then, obviously, as we got closer, um, you know, it, it became pretty apparent that PC was the favorite. But, yeah, I mean, what I like about Castro, what you mentioned, is that he's growing. He's already 6'11", they're saying, uh, 6'10", 6'11". Um, earlier in his high school career, he was 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. And his coach said that, you know, he didn't have that one huge growth spurt like you see with, with you know, for example, Anthony, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, when right. he went from being like 6'1 to 6'11 in the span of a year. <laughs> right. Insane. But like that's – but still, regardless, you're making that leap. I think that's critical because he's a guy that's played a position where he's going to be handling the ball more than he is now. Um, and so he's a big man that's, that's led the break for them in some of their highlights. Um, you know, I don't expect him to be that in college, but, um, the ability to have those guard slash forward skills and to couple that with six, 10, uh, length and athleticism. I mean, I think if you look at him in like a Kuel Mading, uh, from North Carolina, you know, he's supposed to, he's supposed to commit in like three or four days, right? I think it was the 14th or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, on his birthday or something like that? Yeah. I thought I saw that too. We actually have, right before we started recording, I saw Corey Floyd will be making a top seven. So we'll see if PC makes that. We've been making a lot of top threes, top fives, top tens. Uh, so it's nice to get the cash or commitment to uh, solidify that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, but if, if you look at, Medin compared to Castro, it it would appear that Castro's far more the finished product, and he's not near a finished product yet. But compared to to Medin, where you know obviously Castro's rated higher than Medin is, um, you know I'll admit I definitely fell in love with Medin's extreme length and uh, rim running ability, and you know he makes some flashy plays and, and that sort of stuff. But if you look at his AAU circuit. Um, which actually will lead into a good point about Castro. But if you look at his AU um, circuit with Team Curry, they were playing those games in North Carolina, but he didn't really produce. <laughs> like, it, it just begs the question, like, how big of a project is he? Yeah. Um, whereas Castro, I think, you know, you definitely see production. The guy averaged like 16 boards a game. Well, do you think the lack of an AU season – uh, it sounds weird to say, but it helped us in this in this commitment. For sure, and that's what I was kind of alluding to there in terms of um, you know the fact that Medine did play AU with uh, in North Carolina, but Castro did not um, with his AU team. So 
I think the fact that he didn't get that exposure was was huge. Another thing is he decided to stay stay you know loyal and, and stay home in his hometown in Dover and passed up several you know private schools in New Jersey. So I I definitely think for sure if he's the first Dover player to come out of, to go to D one. So I, I'm let's, sure. Let's, hope, let's hope that's let's hope that's not a sign of things to come if he's. Done. I know, right? But you know. But, but that is interesting because I think if he was able to show his ability on the AAU circuit, I think his stock could have skyrocketed higher. And, yeah. you know, you look at his final three teams, like Dayton was grabbing guys at a similar spot. So you don't even know how interested they were. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think for sure an AAU season would have helped him. It helped out us in turn. Yeah. So, so where do you think we go with um... – Unless you have anything else to add about Castro, I think it's an awesome signing. I still think it's going to take like two years in the program for him, for him to make a noticeable impact on the roster and in games. Um, but it's definitely a great signing. So if you don't have anything else, where do you where do you think we go with that third um, scholarship that's available in the twenty twenty one class? Do we try and sign like a true center? Do we try and find another point guard, or do we hold off until the spring when there's decommitments, transfers, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, um, first, uh, one more thing on Cashman that I just found interesting uh, but before we jump to that last scholarship mm-hmm. would be um, Kevin McNamara tweeted that, you know, uh, Castro is of Dominican res- descent, and the Dominican community in Providence was one of the, the factors in uh, alluring him to Providence College, which I found very interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't think we'll ever get that. Again, well, didn't we have – wasn't there, like – and I could be screwing this up. I'm, I'm testing my memory here. Who was the, the guy that played at St. John's where we were in the final two with him, and that was a big selling point? Was it, What was his name? Was it uh, Sanchez or something like that? Remember that guy? I'm blanking on St. John's guy, but I do know Angel Delgado. No, it wasn't Angel Delgado. Hold on. I'm going to look on my phone really quick. Yeah, well, while you check that – Bringing up Angel Delgado brings up another interesting point in this commitment would be, you know, I'm kind of surprised Seton Hall wasn't more in on him. Um, being a New Jersey kid, um, the fact that they had – they brought in Angel Delgado, who was also Dominican, um, mm-hmm. and he had great success at the similar spots. Obviously, they're different players. Um, Delgado way more built – uh, I would say than than Castro is at, at this moment in time, but um, I'm surprised Seton Hall really didn't kind of use that as an example, kind of like what we saw um, with Memphis and and Sam Iomide being from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, not every Dominican needs to go to school X, and not every Nigerian needs to go to school Y. But um, I think uh, Precious Achua being at Memphis last year as a freshman. Um, McDonald's All-American and turning that into, you know, he's going to be drafted in, in, in 10 or so days or whenever the NBA draft's coming up. Uh, he's going to be a lotto pick probably. So I think that had to play in Sam uh, Ayumide's recruitment to Memphis. Sure, you're right. Uh, Precious Achua even tweeted it out the day he committed, like, something about Nigeria and, like, representing Keep the pipe, pipeline gone or something like that. Yeah, so, like um, – I'm surprised Seton Hall didn't try and go more in on Castro, but we'll see if that, that, that comes to bite them. 
So I so quick taking a step back. Orlando Sanchez. He is from. Uh, he represents the Dominican Republic in international competition. He did play at St. John's, and I do remember he chose St. John's over us, and I think that was a big selling point. So we finally hit on that selling point. He's 32 <laughs> years old now, so that makes me feel very very old. Yeah. Well, that, that's a pretty good snipe, I, I gotta say. But uh, back to your original point, though, in terms of the scholarship, my opinion is they hold on to it. I mean, you, you've now gone from, from guard choice A to guard choice B, like A and Bobby Pettiford, guard choice B and uh, – Bensley Joseph. Joseph, then C. Darius Johnson. Darius Johnson and, yeah, Breon Pass. Breon Pass, good God. Like, I think at this point, you, yeah, you know – Unfortunately, with Bynum being, you know, a kid from St. Joe's, being a kid that's kind of undersized, if you look at the NBA game, he probably, if he stays for three years, he's going to have the reins at point guard. And I think, unfortunately, that's hurting them. Yeah, Um, good point. Yeah, I mean, that's just – I think that's just the reality of the situation. Obviously, we'd love to get another guard, and I think – Oh, I, I just think they wait. I really do. It doesn't make sense at this point. Also, um, they also may wait because of the ruling that came out that this year is essentially a free year for all players. So, like, if you're looking at a normal year prior to COVID, you would say Horchler, Watson, they're, they're both done after this year, no matter what, um, bar injury or something like that. And then, there's a, then you're just left with Croswell, which we'll get to in a little bit and then relying on some underclassmen and true freshmen. That's not the case anymore. Um, you don't know if either of those guys or both of them are even going to return, but I'm sure Cooley will put on his recruiting hat and try and get at least one of them to come back. So there's not necessarily a, an urgent need for a big man uh, in this class, as there once was. I think in 2022 class, they're going to heavily focus on point guard and center, um, but that's no longer an urgent need like it was prior to that ruling. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, it's one of those situations where they're not going to decide now, and I don't blame them for not deciding now. Uh, yeah. Whether they'd stay or go, they definitely would want to see how the year played out and all that. Um, you know, I, it's it's. I just think waiting just makes the most sense because one, you can wait towards the end of the season when these transfers start transferring, getting on transfer market. Um, and then that's when the season will wrap up, and then you'll have a better sense of guys like uh, Horchler, guys like Watson. And on top of that, you know, we've always added we, – we've had a theme of adding guys late. That's another thing in terms of freshmen. So yeah. um, I, I think your best bet is just to hold on to it and, and see what happens because at this point there's no recruit that we've been in on that moves the needle enough for me where I would be like, we have to go get this guy. I mean, to put it as simplistic as possible, who are, who are recruits that were still involved with in the 2021 class? I could say two, a, or maybe three. Adu, Adu, however you pronounce his last name, but I don't really think we're heavy contenders there. Mading, as you had mentioned, I don't even know if we're still recruiting him. Uh, and then the, uh, the big man from Canada, Mano, however you pronounce his last name as well. Um, and we haven't even offered a scholarship to him yet. So I, I think... I think what you're saying is aligned with what the staff is thinking right now. So it, I don't think there's an urgency, like I mentioned. We'll see what happens. 
Well, yeah, I mean, um, didn't they carry an extra scholarship going into this? I forget. Potentially. Um, I mean, just because you have, just because you have, you don't, I mean, you don't have to use it just because you have it. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's the case. And you get, right. then you, and you give it to a walk-on or something like that, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think holding it is, it's definitely their best option, but um, obviously 2022 class, you know, guys are starting to make lists now. And mm-hmm. obviously there, there are targets that PC is going to be after uh, Donovan Clinton at, the big man out of stores, not stores, out of uh, where, where's uh, ESPN? Bristol, Bristol, yeah. right? Yeah, Bristol, Connecticut. Um, he's a kid that's an interesting story. That'll be a battle with UConn, I bet. <laughs> this is interesting because in 2022, we're going to be transitioning to where we're going to have full out battles recruiting wise with UConn. So it's a win It's a win win for you if, if he commits to UConn, you're happy. If he commits to Providence, you're happy too. Oh my god, enough of that. Well, we're going to get to our rankings, and, and we'll see just how big of a UConn fan I really am. But, uh, but yeah, you know, they're starting to shift their focus onto that. Um, in my books, I think the 2021 20, class, we can now close a book on that and kind of, you know, look to see. Unless somebody, unless somebody, like, drops into your lap, and then you right. say, wow, this is, you know, it's a, uh, it's a great sign. It's, you know, this is such an outlier. We weren't anticipating this. Let's, let's go after him. But – yeah, I think, I think you're right, Mike. Yeah, so, all right, so we're going to take a quick break. Uh, you will hear from our sponsor, Anchor, and then we'll get back and we'll go over kind of the Big East Media Day w- with their projections and have pro- projections of our own. So we'll, we'll be back yep. right after these short messages from Anchor. All right, we are back. Um, Last week, we, we had our interview with John Fanta of Big East Media. Uh, does Big East shoot around and, and call some games for, for FS1? Um, we recorded that the day before he was going to the – well, going. Uh, Big East Media Day was held virtually this year. Um, but, you know, with Big East Media Day, a lot of news dropped. We got the, the Bryson Godin, um, uh, yep. him being eligible – you know, we found out a portion of the schedule. And then, of course, you have, you know, the, the, the biggest projections and then um, player of the year, newcomer of the year, and, um, you know, first and second team biggies. So yeah. we're going to get into that ourselves. Obviously, David Duke uh, was unanimous biggies um, all first team. And mm-hmm. Nate Watson was able to, to grab second team. That one was a little, that one was a little bit surprising to me, but I was happy to see that. That that Duke made one or Watson made. No, two? Watson made two. I'm I'm extremely high on Duke. Um, yeah. I love I love I love Watson. I think when he's on he when he's on he's just as good of if not better than JRE on Nova. It's just the foul trouble, man. He's just got to stay out of foul trouble, and if he can, he's a force. Yeah, I mean, definitely, he's the best. He's probably the best scoring big man, uh, sure. like true center that is in the Bees. Yeah. Um, I would probably rather have JRE, but I mean, whatever. Uh, you know, you can't have the best of everything, but um, certainly, yeah. I mean, given the fact that he didn't play a ton last year in the beginning of the year, and then he was rusty with the knee, you know, he definitely showed you in spurts what he could be. But again, to your point, the foul trouble is. 
always kind of cursed him. Uh, and if you're not going to be on the court, <laughs> you know, you can't really show what you can do. So uh, hopefully, hopefully he's completely healthy going into this year. Cause that definitely slowed him down in a big way last year. Um, he didn't really seem to get truly, truly healthy, if at all, until like midway through, if not towards the end of Big East season. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem when you're trying to recover from the injury mid-season. The college hoop season's not that long to begin with. Um, and and they, needed, they needed him so right. much that, that uh, they kind of rushed him into it. For sure. Um, and he definitely wasn't himself for, for, for most of the season. So, I mean, my guessing is the reason why he makes second team is because opposing coaches <laughs> probably hated seeing him out there. The yeah. fact that he can score at will in the paint, um, he definitely has the ability. But, yeah, I, I guess you could definitely mark that as a little bit of a shocker. But um, let's, let's dive right into the projections. Um, the coach, coaches pulled had Villanova one. It had our Friars three. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I each got our list. So, so what we'll do is we'll go one through ten. Um, I'll read my team and then, and then you counter with yours. Um, so starting off, um, I don't think it's much of a surprise to anyone, but uh, I'm going with Nova. Uh, clearly Villanova is still loaded. Um, you know, Colin Gillespie did not win the preseason player of the year. That went to Creighton's Marcus Zagorowski. But obviously he was one of the front runners for that award. Um, he's – He's that typical Villanova guard that just stirs the drink. You know, doesn't mm-hmm. do anything exceptional, but the way he controls a game is phenomenal. And he knows the system. Um, and he's really the, the, the engine that makes Nova go. Uh, so you got him and you got soft, returning sophomore um, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. To me, I mean, for sure, that's the best point guard, big man combo in the conference, it might be in the country too, um, if you think about it. And then on top of that, you know, they lose a guy like Sadiq Bey, but does it even matter? Because Sadiq Bey, as good as he was last year, he was, you know, he had to step up for someone else. <laughs> That's just yep. what Nova does. Like they, they have the ability to find the guys that they want for their system. They coach them up, and you know, they, they don't. They don't have to worry about losing a guy like that because they'll have someone to, to fill his shoes. And you look well, at they also have, they have the uh, they have the Tulane transfer uh, Caleb Daniels who averages shade under seventeen a game with Tulane, and he sat out. So it wasn't like it's not like a uh, Joe Cremo thing where he was a grad transfer. He sat out last year. He got to learn and play underneath Bay. It wouldn't surprise me if he slots right into that Bay uh, starting position. I don't know. It's hard to replicate what he did, but, you know, Villanova turns him out. So, it'll be interesting to see him there, potentially Brian Antoine. That's another, uh, you know, burger boy, five-star McDonald's All-American, who's kind of been stuck um, behind all the talent at Villanova. And the fact that, he, like, he's, like, the seventh or eighth name you mentioned for Villanova is just a testament to their depth. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, the fact that um... – you know, what a luxury would it be to land McDonald's All-Americans and not have to sweat it out if they don't perform. You know, they got Javon Kinnerly, the point guard. That didn't work out. He's now in Alabama after sitting out a year. Um, you know, Antoine, he, he hurt his shoulder in the beginning of the season last year. And yeah. I don't think he, he could have ever, you know, he, he never just recovered 
to the ability to crack that rotation um, for, for Jay. And, you know, you add a guy like him, he could be a stud. Um, Cole Swider, guy from Rhode Island. Obviously, he's a good shooter. Who, um, who, didn't, who didn't do, like, anything all season until he went against the Friars and then just went off. Yeah, of course. I mean, because that's how it always happens, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, um, Cole Swider, apparently, according to Jay Wright, he did the best with his conditioning post-COVID. So that was kind of interesting to hear. Good for uh, him. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, he's not the most athletic guy. And, uh, you know, we'll see if he ends up becoming a stud. He probably will, right? <laughs> well, you know, he's whatever he is, 6'8", six, 6'7". Six, he can stroke it from deep. It's he's, He seems like a good player. I don't know how athletic he is, but – that that offense, you know, if you can just spot up and shoot, you'll be all right. Right, and then on top of that, just more freshman last year. Dude, he's dude, he's my favorite player on that yeah. team. I think he's such a stud. That that's a guy I think is going to explode. I'm really bullish on him. Yeah, I mean the fact that he was a freshman and they were able to slot him in um, at at the two uh, next to Gillespie pretty much all season long uh, in the starting five. You have him back, so I mean, that was obviously in the top of most rankings um, in the top 25. Where did they fall in at in the top 20? Did they go? I think they went three. I think they went three overall behind Baylor and Gonzaga. Yeah, so, I mean, Gonzaga, all the publications that you read over the past few months, three of those teams was was one of the top teams. Um, So, Nova, I definitely think, has the ability to to make a Final Four run. Um, And, you know what, maybe – no fans, maybe that even benefits them. You know, who knows? Um, yeah. But, uh, so that, that's who I got one. I assume you're going the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> next one I have Creighton. I'm assuming you do too. I think there's a pretty clear one and two there. I think Villanova's clearly the one. Creighton's the two spot. You have, you know, Balik, Zagorowski, um, Mahoney. Uh, then you got like a, a handful of big men who – can come on. So they just have – they have such an explosive offense. McDermott always does a great job with his offensive system. They're just – they keep continue to churn out great offensive efficiency. They're going to be a handful. I think um, losing Alexander uh, hurt because uh, I think they may have been able to contend with Nova potentially. Losing Alexander hurts a lot because he was a definitely a two-way threat there. Um, but regardless, they're going to have one of the best offenses in the nation. Um, so yeah, I have them too. You see, you see, BOC. When you assume you make an ass out of you and me, I am not going Creighton at two, and I'll tell you what. Oh uh, my god! It goes back to what you brought up that um, Tyshawn Alexander left. Now listen, I get it. Creighton had Final Four aspirations with Tyshawn Alexander in the starting lap, but he's yep. gone. Probably a bad decision. I don't know where he's going to get drafted. I, I, I gotta, I gotta start studying my NBA draft. I usually bet on it every year, uh, but um, but no, like people just love to just be like, you know, obviously they got they got knocked down a peg. A lot of people have them around 11, 10, 11, 12, 13, that spot now. Whereas, you know, going into the off season last year, people were projecting Creighton as a top eight team uh, around there. But here's the thing. Creighton's not great at defense anyways. And you're going to remove a guy that's an all-conference defender? 
that's got to account for something. And on top of that, I think his offensive game helps out someone like Mitch Ballack. I think Mitch Ballack is a guy that is a phenomenal shooter. He's good uh, getting open without the basketball. But when you have a guy like Tyshawn Alexander sitting there on the other side of the perimeter, there's going to be a tension away from, from Ballack. And now with him gone, you can focus on guarding uh, Ballack one-on-one and see if he can beat you off the dribble, which I don't believe he can. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. I, I, I will respectfully disagree. Um, I'm very high on them. I think they're a consensus top 15 team. Listen, I, I, I get it. Obviously, Zagorowski, he's going to probably pull out now even more that Tyshawn Alexander's gone. Isn't he? Uh, isn't he? He's from Rhode Island or something, right? Or right outside of Rhode Island? He's from New Bedford, I think. He's Michael Carter Williams' brother. Fun fact. Okay. Don't really know how that works, but uh, he's Michael Carter Williams' brother. I, I, uh, if, you have, if you have a few minutes, I can explain how that works. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, I just think, and on top of that, they've already lost two guys to ACL tears. Just like they yeah, lost the two, the last two, year. The two, the, two, the two freshmen, right? Yeah, and one of them was a guy from Europe who that would, he was like a four-star stud, right? Yeah, I'm not even gonna try and pronounce his name, but he was like a top 30 recruit. They added yeah. him like late because uh, they didn't know if he's going to college or not. But people were really high on that kid. Um, so granted, they bring back Mahoney. You know, uh, is his name Justin Jefferson? I just think it's always Justin Jefferson, right? Because <laughs> the guy, the receiver in Minnesota. But uh, Jeff, what's Jefferson's first name? Do you know? Uh, I forget off the top of my head. I could look it up really quick. Yeah, they bring they bring back Jefferson, Mahoney, uh, Zagorowski, and then like you brought up the bigs, uh, Christian Bishop's another guy. Um, Jacob Epperson coming off that torn ACL. Uh, he's a seven footer. That's kind of like a stretch uh, that really fits um, well with them. But yeah, I just think that the Tyshawn Alexander uh, leave, decision to leave is going to hurt Creighton more. And that's why my bias is going to show here. But at number two, I got our Friars. All right. David Duke, I think he's ready for stardom. I think you would agree. Uh, at Creighton last year, he has that 30-plus point game. He was the best player on the court by far. And, of course, Zagorowski, he had, like, the flu that day. He had a three to, to beat us, uh, you know, late in the final seconds. But um, – I think Duke is really going to emerge now and really take the reins. Um, we do lose five seniors, but I think you'll be the first one to agree with this. It's not like we lost five seniors, you know? Um, yeah. And the whole really didn't, wasn't able to play because of his injury. Um, and then you got guys like Malik White and Khalif Young that were integral parts of making that turnaround last year, but they're not guys that are going to, you know, dominate the stat sheet and dominate a game. I will say, I will say the Crosswell news is huge because I think down the stretch last year and I, he probably doesn't get as, as much credit as he deserves. I think Cleve Young was the MVP of the team last year yeah, down the stretch. For sure. That guy, that guy did so much to help us win the intangibles, everything. It might not have shown up, but right. we're going to miss him so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, Cleve Young's ability to, to – to be a leader, to communicate on defense, to get guys in the right spots. That was critical, and that's what earned him a lot of playing time, and that's what really helped fuel, you know, you look at uh, Luan Pipkins being a big reason as well. But, yeah, for sure, uh, Khalif Young was, was a big part. 
But my point is they're returning a lot of guys that have played a lot of games in the Beast. Uh, yep. AJ Reeves, David Duke, Nate Watson being the, the three guys. And then, you know. Craig Gant obviously has some time, even Jimmy Nichols to a certain extent. And then the folks who haven't played in the Big East are two guys who sat out last year and were on the pro that were on the program in Bynum and Horschler. They not only are experienced veterans, they are familiar with the program being in in a year. They should be inserted into the starting lineup. Um, and I don't think the moment's going to be too big for them. Yeah, I mean, you brought that up with the two-lane transfer for Villanova. I think that sitting out a year is critical when you're transferring. Because it's not like the pros where you can just go to another team and, <laughs> and just figure it out, you know. Yeah. These guys don't have a ton of practice time. Um, we even saw you saw with Pipkins last yeah. year. It took it took him like seventy five percent of the way through the season before he really started to come on strong. Exactly. So I think the fact that you have those two guys in Horschler and Bynum, I, I think that's huge. I think Bynum is going to be just what the doctor ordered, and something that we desperately missed last year. Um, a point guard that could set the table because unfortunately, Pipkins that just wasn't his game. It was more of a score, mm-hmm. um, which. Going into last year, we needed more of that. So that's yeah. why we got him. Uh, but, you know, being a guy that can set the table for the offense and um, while at the same time trying to get his own as well, um, I think he's going to be a great player. I'm really excited about him. And then, you know, we've, we've brought this argument up before uh, in prior podcasts. Who, who would start at the four? Would it be Gant? Would it be Hortzler? Now you could maybe throw him. Would it be Crossbow? Who knows? Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I just really like our depth. I, I do like our experience, despite the fact losing five seniors. Um, and I think this team has a chip on their shoulder in terms of they, they, they know how last November went. It was terrible. And it put them in a what looked to be an insurmountable hole. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, you know what, that is, I, I think they're going to play with a purpose this year. You know, maybe they don't set the world on fire and go out and win the Maui, but they're going to be much more competitive in the non-conference. And then, lucky for them, the Big East starts a lot earlier now. Uh, And so you can get right into conference play and kind of, you know, find their groove. So that's why I'm picking the Fires, too. That's a – More so because I I think people are underestimating Tyshawn Alexander being out. But Fair point. Yeah, fair point. I'll uh, I'll respect it. I'm surprised you didn't slot in UConn there at the two spot. Um, all right, so so I have Nova, Creighton. Let's let's go a little bit quicker here because we have eleven teams. Nova, Creighton, I have Providence at three, and then this is where it gets interesting for me at the four spot. So wait, you have you have Creighton at the three, right? I do. Yeah. Okay, so who do you have at the four? Because I'm legitimately looking at four different teams that I could slot in at the four in UConn, Seton Hall, Xavier, and Marquette. I'm notoriously more bullish on Xavier than most folks. I think they got those two transfers that haven't, I don't know if they've received their waivers yet. The guy from Belmont and the guy from, uh, um, it was Hampton, Ben Stanley, I uh, believe his name was. Ben Stanley and then, and then Adam Funkel, I believe his name is. Kurt, yeah. It was like Kernkel or something like that. Yeah. So they and then they also have Tandy. They have what is it, Scruggs as well. So I and Fremantle as well. So they have they have a ton of talent. Um, I don't know why everybody's putting them in like a seven or eight slot, especially if they get those two guys eligible. 
I could like like I said, I'm bullish on them. I could see them being as high as four or five. I could see them being as only as low as like seven or eight. Um, so for the four spot, I'll put in, I guess safely. I'll, I hate to say it, I'll put in UConn there. I think they have a, they do have a lot of talent coming in and returning, um, and they potentially have a really good player in uh, Book Knight. So I'll put them at four. Well, who, who's the UConn fan? Me or you? Because uh, I do not have UConn at four. I have Seton Hall, uh, and I'll tell you why. I, I think Seton Hall certainly has a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. There's several teams on this list that I going through. I was like, "Ooh, I could put them up way higher. I could put them up way lower." Um, but I'm gonna go with Seton Hall just because the the, the program that that Kevin Willer's been able to build uh, at Seton Hall it was a little slow at first. He had a, he didn't have many wing seasons early on, but they stuck with him. And now I think Seton Hall is definitely one of the premier programs in the Big East. Certainly in the Big East, if not, you know, now they're starting to get national recognition um you know i think um mamu returning was huge granted we pretty much destroyed mamu like alpha just owned uh mamu last year i I actually think he's my he's my sleeper for at the end of the year i think he actually will be big biggie's player of the year really biggie's player of the year wow yeah i'm i'm a high on him yeah i mean certainly and it was interesting because he was like that one uh, prospect last year that the NBA scouts really liked from the Big East. Um, Paul Reed being another. Paul Reed will probably get drafted higher than Mamu probably would have if he went. But NBA scouts were definitely interested in, um, uh, you know, his his skill set, his size, um, uh, and his ability to, to you know, shoot you know, play back up against the uh, basket and all that. Um, I was looking at his stats. He put up last year, and you have to remember, this is with Gill, with Powell. He put up 12 and 6. I thought he had more assists. He didn't. He only had an, a 1.5 assists. So um, maybe I'm ignorantly high on him. But I think with Gill being gone, Powell being gone, he's going to probably – it wouldn't surprise me to see him put up like 15, 7, and 3. And who knows if that's enough for – player of the year but I'm like regardless I'm really high on him um so what you have so give me the breakdown again of what you have all right so 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 I got Nova Province Creighton and F4 with Seton Hall and just getting back to Seton Hall quickly um they do have a lot of questions obviously bringing in Bryce Aiken from Harvard uh very good point guard um I think there's pretty high expectations from him out of Orange and I think you know he I think Tommy Hamaker is a guy that, that would definitely get his guys ready to transfer to, to another school and be able to impact uh, yeah. right away. He has, he has injury concerns, though, right? I was just about to bring that up. So that's obviously a huge question mark. Can he stay healthy? Another question mark would be Miles Kale. Miles Kale was nasty two years ago. Yeah, what happened to him? I don't know. And the weirdest thing is, BOC, if you look at his stats, they weren't terrible. But like, you watch Seton Hall play, and you just get lost in games. And I just think he he's under the impression that the big things are going to come. I saw some clip of him in, in Mamu, and he was saying, like, you know, now that Powell's gone, he's ready to show what he can do. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they can get out, out of Miles Kale. Uh, well, didn't, didn't, didn't Willard say something uh... – something last year, like you said, something with there's some issues in the locker room and like people need to accept their roles or embrace their roles. I don't think it was about Kale. 
I think it was about, I forget the freshman's name that came in that was a stud who didn't get as many minutes as he wanted to, but I don't know if it that was a, because of Powell and having a basically green light whenever he wanted to. But it'll be interesting to see who takes over the, like, alpha reigns with um, Powell being gone. Yeah, for sure. So that's what I got at four. So then I'll, I'll come around here. We'll do, like, snake draft, I guess. Uh, at five, I do have UConn. Um, coming back to the conference. Now, I will – Call myself out here because I said that UConn would not finish in the top half of the league. And here I am putting them at five. But, uh, you know, UConn certainly has a lot of talent. They bring in a good freshman class, Andre Jackson uh, being the front line of that. Big things are expected out of him. There's a lot of hype surrounding him. Um, Adama Snogo was a, a big man that they got late. Uh, He's another good piece. And then you look at James Booknight, uh, Booknight or whatever. He, you know, he was offended that he was second team Big East, which yeah. I kind of find, find hilarious because, like, all right, we get it. You had a good run in the American last year towards the end of the year. You're a freshman. Let's see what you can do in the Big East is my point. Dude, I, I've never – really quick, I've never seen – Granted, he put up good stats as a freshman last year and, like, UConn's back in the Big East, so obviously they're going to hang their head on that and build up as much as possible. I've never seen so much hype for a player going into a season as I have for him. Like I've listened, I remember what podcast I was listening to, and they said he might have, like, there's a slim chance he may, makes, like, an Obi Toppin-type jump. I'm like, what? Like, crazy. crazy. And I, I, forget, I think it was uh, – I forget what podcast it was, but it was a reputable college basketball podcast. And everybody's saying that, like, that wasn't the – maybe not at that level of National Player of the Year, but people are saying, like, he may make first-team All-American, second-team All-American. I'm like, oof, that's, that's a lot to put on a guy who's going from a sizable jump from the, uh, what is it, American Athletic to uh, Big East. Yeah, we'll see sure. quickly. We'll see quickly when Duke guards him in the first or second game of the Big East. Right, and, like, my thing with him is I'm going to question, like, is this kid, like, Big East guard material? That's yeah. my question. Because you got to be tough, man. Um, you know, some of our guards, they may not be the best guards, but they'll, they'll get after it, and especially on the defensive end. So, you know, for me, I look at a guy like Book Knight, and I'm like, is he Big East tough? We'll, we'll find out. I mean, certainly he can, he can score it, but, you know, it's funny. He's, he's from New York. But you look, you take one look at the guy, you watch him play, and you think he's like a, a Cali guard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Just like the style of basketball he plays. So I'm not totally sold on him. I think he'll definitely be one of the top scorers in the conference. But, um, it, you know, it, if you're going to say Obi Toppin type, like one of the best players in college basketball, uh, yeah, like friggin' pump the brakes on that. But, so he played – so he – great, it's Villanova, and – they're obviously a tough team. They were a great team last year. He had five points. Yeah, he played terrible against Nova, and he played good against Xavier. Yeah. I, I took a peek at that, too, because I, I, I was gonna, I was getting ready to be like, oh, he's such against the Biggies. Uh, he played good against Xavier. Um, he did play good against Xavier, so kudos to him there. Yeah, that's a good call. But, we'll see. I mean, he, I mean, he's still young, too. He's only, what, a sophomore? Going to be a yeah. sophomore? So, we'll see. It's, it's you know, it's, it's good for UConn to have somebody to uh, – kind of be the face of their program going into the East. Yeah, but I, again, just one last point on UConn would be, I brought it up to Fana and he, pr he pretty much shut me down on it, but. Oh yeah, he, yeah, he, uh, he shut you down hard. 
and there's just something about it, man. Like when the Big East reconfigured, Georgetown for sure, their fans and their boosters and the people that around their program definitely thought that this would be a cakewalk. They would be top three every single year, make the tournament, and, and you know it'd be great for them. And it's been the exact opposite for Georgetown. Yeah. So I look at UConn, and I'm getting the same sense, certainly from their fan base. Uh, Hurley kind of like tempers it a little bit. He's like, oh, we're excited to be back. And, but he does understand that there is a jump here, um, and his players are going to have to adjust to that. But I, I don't know. I, I just think it's well, – been- I think the biggest thing for me and which causes like some frustration is I think they'll have the talent and they'll be able to compete, maybe not for top, top of the big East right away. Uh, Cause I think Villanova squarely has that um, position, but it's, it's more so like the fans saying like, Oh, we're coming back to help and save the big East. Like the big East doesn't need any save, Like you, you, you guys are the ones that need the help. So be a bit more, be a bit more appreciative because nobody wanted to take on your football program. All right, so who you got at five? So I got – so I go Nova, Creighton, Providence, UConn, and this is where I show how bullish I am. I have Xavier Xavier at five, Seton Hall at six. Now, I'll just go through really quickly. Seton Hall six, Marquette seven, and then I think things kind of drop off after this. Butler eight, St. John's nine, DePaul ten, Georgetown eleven. Okay. Well, so my – my rankings, the rest of my rankings, are a little wet. Uh, with six, I went Butler. And believe right. me, there is nothing on that roster that wants me to put Butler at six. There no, really isn't. No, they, they – like, they uh, – was Jordan Tucker left for the draft, right? And he yeah. – like, he didn't really put up any noticeable numbers. That He would have been a perfect fit for their program this year and would have been maybe potentially the face of their program with Baldwin leaving. But he left – Baldwin obviously left. They have uh, Enzi, right? That's how you pronounce yeah. the last name? Yeah, they, they transferred from UW-Milwaukee, who played last year. Uh, I think he sat out the year before that. Um, so, so he's really the main returner. And then you look at Aaron Thompson. Um, yeah. Like, Aaron Thompson, very good defensive guard. Um, he, he's a cerebral player. He won't make many mistakes. He's a guy who went out there, but he's not – yeah, I mean, he's not Kamar Ball when he's not not that. Who's a he never did well against us, but he did. He seemed to do well against a lot of other biggest teams. Who's who's a big white kid that could always stroke it from deep? McDermott, I think he's gone too. Yeah, he's gone too. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sean yeah. McDermott. Yeah, they have a ton of freshmen. One of their freshmen, Scooby Johnson, I believe, tore his ACL. So, like, believe me, I did. I was thinking about this, but the reason why I put them at six is because where were they? They projected the finish last year. Bottom of the league. Yeah. What happened? Uh, there's just something in the water at, at Hinkle. I don't know what it is, um, but Butler, you know, was one of the best teams in the country last year. So I'm going to, you know, give LeVar Jordan here the benefit of the doubt and think that he can figure it out. They'll be good defensively again, uh, I bet. And so, you know, on paper, no chance I put them at six. Maybe I put them at ten. But I'm going to give them the Lamar Jordan bump here and say that he's a good coach, um, and he coached them up last year, and let's see what, what he does this year. At seven, I went with Xavier, and believe me, I wanted to be high, higher on Xavier too. Um, but one thing, and I'm surprised you didn't bring this up because you were obsessed with this player, 
but they lost time. I know. I know. The, the heart, heart and soul. And soul the, yeah. The heart and soul of their team. He brought the attitude. He brought the nasty. Uh, that's a real tough loss. And then, obviously, you look at a guy like he, – he, he was from Connecticut too, right? Yeah. Dude, he would have been a perfect fit for the Friars. That's why I love him so much. Like, you could just see him as a Cooley player. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think Cooley, like, definitely loved, had a great admiration for, for Tyreek Jones, too. Yeah. Um, but so they lose him. They lose Najee Marshall. Like, that's tough. But at the same time, you think about it, they were loaded last year, and I'm sorry, they weren't going to make the tournament. I, I hate the Berkshire Bubble Xavier fans, but they weren't making the tournament last year. They lost yeah. the ball in the Big East uh, opening round. That was it. Nail in the coffin. Their bubble burst. Uh, so it'll be interesting. You know, you brought up Paul Scruggs. Uh, you know, he was like a top third, like 35 recruit. Yeah. And he's, you know, and he's a senior still. So, or yeah. not still, but he's a senior now. So the meaning, you know. Time he, is now. You know, four years. He wasn't, you know, this guy that was able to, to parlay a high high school ranking into an NBA career early on. Um, and he's been up and down with them. Um, yeah. I, I bet you he'll be very good in his last year. And then like well, you, I'm big easy, at, Go ahead. It's easy to uh, – it might be easier for him to make more of an impression on the court with uh, with Marshall and Jones gone. Because Marshall tended to – he tended to hog the ball a bit. So oh, that, that, might help, that might help him. And – you know, they have another good backcourt piece. You mentioned Tandy. So, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm really – Kai Kai Tandy for sure. Uh, first team all, Big East freshman team last year. Um, so, I'm big on him. And then, like you mentioned, Zach Fremantle, a Jersey guy. He's going to be a guy that's a pain in the ass for this upcoming season and the next two seasons. So, get ready, Friar fans. Yeah. Um, he's, he's just a guy that has a nose for the ball. He's always around, around the ball making plays. So he's going to be a pain. Coach, coach's son, first one in, last one out kind of thing. Yeah. And on top of that, like, he's not afraid to, to talk some smack. He's got a little J.P. McCura in him, actually. Yeah. Um, so I went with Xavier at seven. Eight, I'm going SJ. Um, okay. I, I'm big on the Mike Anderson train. Um, I brought brought up several times in, so far this year and then last year. Um, I'm, I'm big on what he's doing. I think his fast pace – Style fits in with New York City. Uh, I agree. And, you know, he brings in a guy, Posh Alexander, who's getting very good reviews uh, as a freshman from New York, I believe. Um, and then you look at some of their other guys, uh, Marcellus Erlington. Um, and then there's another guy missing who's supposed to be, like, their best player. I think the guy you're missing, though, is Rasheem Don. That kid's a stud. Oh, that kid, that kid, Francis. Yeah, that kid. That kid's a stud. He he played really well last year. Um, I like them, and I like the fact that Mike Anderson was like, "Hey, I think we were going to win the Big East tournament." Um, he said that. Yeah, no, he was like, he said, he said something like, "I knew we were going to win that game against." Uh, against Creighton. Creighton. Oh, they definitely were. I, I was yeah. watching that game. I was working from home that day, and I was getting excited because I was like, "Oh, our path, our path is clearing." <laughs> Clearing yeah. right for the final with Nova. Got to pack my bags. All right, number nine, I'll go Marquette. Uh, so Marquette's interesting. Um, I've seen people have Marquette as high as, like, the third, third team in the Big East. Dude, well, is- I mean, the thing with me, the thing with me is, and Fanta said this pretty well, is, like, 
they need to start playing some defense. Yeah. Like you remember they had the Housers, they had Howard, and they still like somewhat underachieved. They need to they need to the Big East is a kind of a defense defense first type league, a tough league. And Marquette just doesn't seem to fit that mold. Um so until they show that they can play some defense, I'm, I'm it's hard it's hard to be high on them, you know. Yeah. Even with bringing in Dawson Garcia. And they also lost a ton of people too, not just Howard. They lost who was the guy that that declared and went pro uh was it like Brendan Bale here or something like that? Or Oh yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean yeah, so they definitely lose a lot. Obviously losing Marcus Howard. It's possible you have your reverse, you know, can this team be better now that Marcus Howard's gone? I actually might be even though I put them this low, I might be in that camp. Cause I'm not like listen, if you have to give me Powell or uh or Howard, I'm taking Powell every day. Every well, I'm taking him anytime you ask me. Because Marcus Howard, in my opinion, the guy can line it up, but he can shoot you out of a game. He can't play defense. And, I mean, you could tell that it, the team – the houses transferred for a reason, all right? It, like, Marquette's a fine program. They transferred for a reason. And it's because he wasn't getting them. Thank, dude, thank – thank like – they must be so happy the NCAA tournament never happened because if I was a Marquette fan, like the stars aligned, you had the two Housers, you had Marcus Howard, you had good complimentary pieces. Like that may be one of the best teams besides like the Dwayne Wade teams. That Wait, they no, ever no, had. no, that team did go to the tournament. No, I'm saying this, I'm saying this past year. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This past year after they transferred, like I would always think if I was a Marquette fan, like what could have been kind of thing if they didn't transfer. If they stay, right, right. Okay, as you were saying, if they stayed, like what that team could have been. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but they had that team the year before, and I actually went to their game. That's, and, that uh, was John Morant game, right? Oh, yeah, he was dunking all over him. It was awesome. I was, I was going nuts because yeah. I've mentioned this before. I can't stand Marquette. I hate Woj. I, I just hate that program. I don't like D-Wade either, so, yeah. <laughs> So don't let, your, Marquette, don't, let your, uh, don't let your personal biases get in the way of this, Mike. Yeah. But uh, uh, DJ Carton, obviously coming over from Ohio State. People expect big things from him. Uh, very good player, you know. But it just seems like he had that game against Kentucky where he was really good. He had like 15 points, led the way for Ohio State, and a win over Kentucky. And I feel like he's one of those guys that, you know, that one big game, and everyone's like, oh, DJ Carton, DJ Carton. Like, this guy's nasty. It's like, yeah. well, we'll see. Um, but, I mean, I definitely think it'll be a big piece, and he'll definitely get the opportunity to, to, to shine there. So, um, And then Kobe McEwen, um, the transfer, I forget where he transferred from, but he was on the team last year and really had to take a back seat to Howard. But late in the year, he came up um, and – I think he could have a very good season. So yeah. we'll see what Marquette does. I just think there's too many questions. And I, I think the teams that, you know, maybe outside of St. John's in my Butler pick, uh, but the other teams we picked ahead of them are definitely better than they are. So we'll see what happens. And then rounding on my list, um, I went with DePaul 10 and, and Georgetown 11. I really felt like putting DePaul in the basement after last year when we had hashtag rank DePaul. And didn't they didn't they start eleven and zero? And like that, yeah. dude, dude, and they no they toasted, they should have been ranked first of all. They they toasted some like really good teams. I'm pretty sure I have to look. Didn't they beat? I know they beat Texas Tech, right? 
I know Texas Tech was rebuilding a bit, but yeah. I'm pretty sure they beat Texas Tech, and I think they – I'm forgetting. They made – did they beat Iowa too? Yes. They, they, yes. They, they destroyed Iowa. Yeah. At Iowa. They won yeah. by like 30 points. Yeah. And then they just – you're like, oh, my God, this could be the year for them. And then they just fall apart in the Big East. I think on paper that they definitely shouldn't be be eleven, and you know they got well, they Charlie had, Moore. Well, they had Char- Charlie Moore is preseason first team All Big East, which I think is a suspect pick. I would have put. You know, it's interesting because he didn't really play well in the Big East. Like he had a really good non-conference and definitely you know went down a grade once conference play started. But yeah, but you know they have Charlie Moore. Um, you know. DePaul keeps getting recruits, too. That's something that's kind of gone. Despite how bad they've been, uh, Leno's dropping bags, apparently, and getting guys to play at DePaul. But, um, but yeah, I, I I personally wanted to put them in last to, to make a point, but I don't think they're, they're the worst team in the league. It's got to be Georgetown, unfortunately, uh, for, for Pat. Oh my God. I want to succeed at Georgetown. I really do. Um, granted, Georgetown being crappy opened – the door for Providence to get good uh, again. But, you know, um, I do want Pat Ewing to succeed. I like Pat Ewing. Um, but so, he's not quite the – do you have your, your, your starting five? <laughs> yeah, I forget. I, no, I have three of the five. I just jotted it down. But of the three, yeah. there, there's Akinjo, Akinjo who transferred. Who's where, where is he at? He's at Arizona now, right? Yeah. McClung, who's at Texas Tech. And then LeBlanc, 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 who's at LSU. That was all one recruiting class too. That's got to yeah, be like that. <laughs> like if you have if you have those three players this year, I don't care if it's like me and you strutting out as the other two. That's like a top twenty squad. <laughs> yeah, p- potentially for sure. I mean, and then you know they, they have like Pickett. They return him, Javon Blair. But I mean, and, and, and Wahab, who showed flashes last year, but. That's the big man, right? Yeah, the, the cupboard's pretty bare though at Georgetown. Yeah, I think unfortunately, I just don't want them to be so terrible that Ewing gets fired because I think he's been kind of dealt a shitty hand here. But those are my rankings. Who do you got for? You kind of tease this. So you're going Mamu, Biggie's player of the year. Mm, I think I think Gilles, So it wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me to see. So basically, you look at you look at the preseason first team. You have Zagorowski, Gillespie, Duke, Moore, Sandro, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I don't think JRE or Moore have the potential to be uh, Player of the Year. So I think it'll actually be Gillespie, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Zagorowski, Gillespie, Duke, or Sandro as uh, Player of the Year. I'll go with just I'll I'll go with the safe pick and be Gillespie because he has so many weapons around him. Yeah, I think Don or excuse me, I think David Duke will uh of course I say Don Freudian slip there. Uh so obviously I think Duke definitely has a chance at it, but I do go Zagorowski, kinda to what the point brought up earlier with no Tyshawn, I think he's gonna definitely feel that okay, I have to ball out every night. And I think he has the potential to put up really high scoring number you know, not so much Howard and Powell, but kinda close to that. Whereas yeah. I don't know if Duke will do that on a consistent basis because there are going to be games where you know, they're going to mix it up. They're, they're, he's not going to be, you know, we'll see what happens. But I just feel like there are going to be games where Duke doesn't 
have a stellar, like all biggies performance. Um, and again, the biggest thing with Duke has been consistency. I mean, granted, he's young, you know, two years. You can't expect young underclassmen to be consistent, but that's been the one gripe with him. So, like, if he's going to win Biggie's player of the year, he's got to be way more consistent. So, um, I win Zagorowski, but I do believe Duke can win it. Um, you know, I, I'm going to say no on Boke Knight, but, I, I mean, if UConn has a great season in their top two in the Big East, he'll probably get it, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, he can certainly win it. Um, so who do you got for newcomer of the year? I, I went freshman because I'm a traditionalist. So I'm not going to say newcomer. Yeah, freshman, yeah. Um, I think I think just because of opportunity, uh, I gave, gave it to which the Big East uh, coaches did as well. Garcia from Marquette, I think. Awesome, Garcia. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think Woj is going to do everything possible to get him touches. So uh, yeah. I could definitely see that. I mean, he was the highest rated uh, Big East recruit coming in this year. Um, I was listening to I in College Basketball podcast with Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander, and they, they were doing their projections of the Big East. I think, I think Parrish had Providence at two, actually. Now that I think about it. Norlander has him low, <laughs> like six or seven. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he, he went just, out. Was, he just he went, so he went, out, he went out on a ledge for us. <laughs> and we just made him look so atrocious at the start of the year last year. Like, he was gung-ho on the Friars, and we just absolutely were horrendous. Yeah, but so he brought up how, like, when he looks at freshman of the year, which I thought was kind of a silly way to look at it, he literally just goes through the list of, like, the top recruits. Yeah. And, he, and, like, and like, he just kind of picks from, the, like, those. Uh, and he's like, oh, I had to really scroll down the list with the Bees compared to the other power conferences. Uh, so I'm going Dawson Garcia. Um, Garcia, yeah, he could definitely have the opportunity. I mean, Theo John is really his only competitor, and they'll probably play together. Uh, yeah, John will, John will play the five. He'll play the four spot. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he'll definitely have opportunity. But I've heard that, like, he might not be a finished product, though. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go with Posh Alexander, though. I kind of tease, tease yeah, that. Yeah, dude. Uh, the New York. That's kid. a good pick. I like that I mean, pick. It's another pick where it's going to be opportunity. Um, word out of uh, out of Queens is that he will be your starting point guard for the Giants. With, with Dunn playing alongside him, they're going to go, you know, uh, two guard, two lead guards. Um, so that that's my pick. But you know, the one thing I'll say, you know, closing on this would be these are just projections. Obviously, I don't expect to be correct. Yeah. <laughs> by, by most of my picks. I don't know about you, but, you know, the way this conference works, it always seems like there are surprises. So. Yeah, no, we'll see. I think, I mean, I think the fact that we got, like, to the eight or nine seed ranked teams in the conference, and you and I were talking about them for, like, 15 minutes, just, right. shows, how deep, just shows how deep the conference is. And um, it's also a testament to the fact uh, that I think a lot of the fans of the Big East follow all, their, all the teams closely. So, um, you know, hopefully we have a season and uh, there's no there's no more speed bumps. Yep. So let's just close here with some uh, final fire thoughts. Um, Crosswell, we brought up. He got the waiver. Wasn't expected. Um, as when he first transferred to PC, the thought was he was going to sit out regardless, not even pursue a waiver. But the way the waiver process was working, something changed there. 
I love that. I love that it seems like it took uh, Godin or Godin, how you pronounce his last name, like six months. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as that new ruling came out, they're like, yep, Croswell is, has a waiver to play immediately. Yeah, maybe it, Corey forgot the mail of paperwork and was like, yeah, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> yes, you want, you want to get your waiver too? <laughs> get two birds and one stone. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously. Dude, that, it, that's a, that's a, that's, that might be a bigger um, eligibility uh, statement on eligibility than uh, Godin almost because he could fill in and play that, uh, he could play that Khalif Young type role. He's not as big as him, but. He's a great offensive rebounder. He'll set the tone on the court. Um, so maybe he's like a hybrid between Young and like the, uh, unfortunate to say, the once healthy Holt. Who knows? Yeah, one of the guys in our PC text group that we have uh, brought up that, that he could be the Holt that, that we were hoping that we'd get back. The Holt that we had, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, and I can see that. Obviously, he's not – Holt was able to kind of extend his range and, and take perimeter shots – but he definitely brought that toughness uh, that created us, you know, down low, uh, being mean and nasty, which is definitely huge. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, I think them pursuing the waiver, I don't think it was just because of the rules. I really don't. Like, I think they must have saw something where they're like, okay, you can contribute for us right now. Why are we wasting our time? But we shall see. And then the other thing would be, uh, you know, Kevin Matt on the Equally Radio Show, I believe, with – or it came back to me. It was one or the other. Either the Cooley Radio Show with, with John uh, Rook or uh, K-Mac tweet out that the Flyers, once again, are dealing with some nagging injuries. Uh, A.J. Reeves with the ankle. Um, and then, you know, Vitam and, well. and Jair Davis, other two guys dealing with nagging injuries. What are your thoughts? Are you concerned? Panic level? Uh the thing that the one that concerns there's a couple things. So um, Reeves has had a couple injuries throughout his career, which uh, which stinks. Um, and I'm hoping this is just you know mentioning it offhand, like oh you know Reeves is a little bit banged up, no worries. Not a um, this might be a serious injury, and they're under they're uh, trying to brush it under the rug because um, we need Reeves a lot. I, I think a lot of people are expecting a lot from him. He's a junior. He was a you know a highly top 100 four star recruit. It's his time right now, um, so hopefully he's healthy. And then you need you need Biden to stay healthy too. Like Cooley's Cooley's teams do the best when you have a fully functioning pass first point guard. And if he's hurt, the last thing you want is to have to switch Duke, Duke over to the lead guard spot instead of him being off the ball um, and being a combo guard. So yeah, and uh, that, you can, that you could use Duke as like a complement. Yep. Biden and have him play a little bit of lead guard, uh, but definitely. I mean, Duke's just not. He just doesn't have that that skill set in terms of court vision and, and all that to be a lead guard. Otherwise, he would be the lead guard of this team right now. Like, let's well, you, you just don't you don't. He's likely going to maintain the role of defensive stopper in the backcourt, right? So, the last thing you want is to d him up on the other team's best offensive player, and then have him freaking bring the ball up right. the entire court handling the ball. It's just no matter how well conditioned he is, um, that's just a lot to ask of a player. So, hopefully. Hopefully it's just a little uh, small injury for Bynum and uh, he'll be all right. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I'm not going to panic quite yet. Um, unfortunately, we were talking about this before we started recording. Um, with college hoops, unless it's like a severe injury, you're not going to know the full extent of it. Um, and, and, you know, 
and then you have the whole aspect of if you're going to miss time coming back and conditioning midseason. So obviously it's concerning, but to me, they have a few weeks, you know, until I see a tweet with so-and-so in walking boot, uh, like we had yeah, with yeah, Watson yeah. last year, I'm not going to be too, too concerned about it, but it'll definitely be something to monitor. So um, do you got anything else? Um, no, I think we'll probably have a pod next week. Um, won't be as lengthy, but we can talk about some uh, the – some commitments for Mading, which is transpiring on the 14th. We could talk, maybe we can get into the 2022 class a little bit too and familiarize the folks that are listening with some names that we're recruiting. Um, but yeah, that's, that's about it for now. All right. Well, be- before I let you go, I got one thing I just wanted to bring up. Uh, Tommy Heinsohn passed away today. I, I, yeah. Okay. Don't roll your eyes. All right. He is a jer- First of all, Jersey guy. Uh, he played, um, college hoops at Holy Cross, which um, is in my neck of woods where I'm from. Um, obviously, played for the Celtics, won a bunch of championships, uh, was the Celtics announcer since the late 60s, um, early 70s. Um, so, you know, he's a guy, me growing up watching the Celtics, he was that senile old guy that, that you know, the refs were always out to screw the Celtics. The Tommy uh, point, Tommy oh, points. Oh yeah, the Tommy points. Uh, Walter McCarty, unfortunately, Walter McCarty, you know, he got canned for some things you don't want to be accused of. But uh, um, you know, Tommy was just an awesome listen, even though he was kind of crazy and definitely biased towards the Celtics. But you know, he's a guy that that announced with he announced with Mike Gorman. Him and Mike Gorman were like the longest tenured uh, NBA an- uh, announcers. Um, and if you look at Mike Gorman, he got his start in the Big East. So there is a connection here. Uh, yep. not, not my Celtics fandom uh, showing out here. Well, it is, but it isn't. Uh, Tommy Hudson, obviously a tough loss. So um, I just wanted to shout that out. But, yeah, um, catch us next week. Again, read the blog. Hopefully we'll get some stuff out to you this week. We'll definitely have the Fire Fridays. Uh, the blog, theprovincecrier.com. Follow me on Twitter. That's my, uh, pro- at Providence Crier. And then follow BOC at BOC all day. We'll see you next week, Fire Time. Thanks, guys. Let's go. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way about a hoop, eh. Crossover, I might go to L.E.U. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, eh. Feel like A.J. Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, eh. Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Hope, eh. I'm the alpha dog, Diallo They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, eh Crossover, I might throw the hell at you But they sleeping on me, well let's take them back to school Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah